to Luke chapter 6, if you would. Luke chapter 6, and uh, forgive me, I noticed an oversight about a week and a half ago. You know, we've been in Luke chapter 8, and uh, I realized, I got to looking back at some of my older sermons, I somehow skipped Luke 6, verses 46 to 49. Uh, Maybe if any of you can correct me on that, maybe you have notes that I've lost, but I I don't know how I did that, but I I skipped that. So I've been praying about it, and rather than just keep going, I'm going to spend the next few minutes with you going over these verses. And ironically, I think it fits perfectly with what we have been looking at in Luke chapter 8. Jesus in Luke 8 was giving us parables about the sower and the seed, and, and it really is an, it's a, a parable about how to listen to preaching and what to do with preaching, and it very much fits into this topic here. So by the grace of God, this will, I, I hesitate to say my mistake is somehow, you know, the plan of God. I, I, I'm hesitant to say every time I make a mistake, well, God's just going to, you know, this is God's plan instead. But I still think God can use my oversight in this. Perhaps there's, there's something God can make, uh, some connections God can make here. So Luke 6 and verse 46, Jesus has just finished the Sermon in the Plain, which is very similar to the Sermon in the Mount. And then to close the sermon, this was his invitation. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's how he closes the sermon. Hundreds of people have gathered to hear him preach the most profound things that anyone has ever spoken. And he finishes off by expressing this very deep concern that some of you are saying the right things, you're sitting in the right place, but you're not going to do what I've told you. Verse 47, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 49, but... He that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I'd like to preach to you for just a few minutes this morning on the subject of dig deep. Dig deep. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning. We've already had a busy morning, but a good morning. Lord, we've got to experience several different blessings. I believe you've already spoken to us in many ways. And Lord, help us now to take to heart these words that you gave us almost 2,000 years ago, Lord. They're still true. They still help us. We still need to be mindful of them. Help me to preach. And I pray, give us all ears to hear. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus acknowledges at the end of his sermon that there are two crowds. He divides his audience into two crowds. Now we know when we get to Luke 8, you can actually make more divisions, can't you? 
Remember the, the parable of the sower and the seed? There's the wayside, there's the stony ground, the thorns, there's good ground. So you can make more divisions if you'd like. But Jesus separates the audience into two crowds. Travel with me in your mind for a moment. Go back 2,000 years. We're standing in a plain, in a wide open field, listening to Jesus preach. He has just said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those that hunger. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Judge not lest ye be judged. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And then he looks on the crowd. And you lean in as he gives a bit of a dramatic pause and says, I have a question for you as I close my sermon today. Why do you call me Lord? The crowd would probably lean back and say, why do we do that? What does that mean, the word Lord? I mean, we do it just out of respect. We do it because everybody else around us is doing it. But why do I personally call Him Lord? Jesus leans in a little closer and says, why are you calling me Lord but not doing the things that I say? Right away, if you're in that audience, you should begin to start examining your heart going, what is it that I'm not doing? Right? What is it that I'm not doing? And then he says, folks, I'm going to separate you into two groups today. The first group is somebody that hears and does. This is the guy who intends to do what Jesus has taught and do it for the rest of his life. Now just ask yourself this morning, are you in that group? Did you come this morning with that intention in your heart, Lord, speak to me today so that I learn what to do and I'll do it the rest of my life? The other group, verse 49, they hear, but they don't do. Now you understand, there are other groups. There are some groups that don't hear at all. (laughs) They're not here today, so we're not going to talk to that. But this second group, they hear and they call Jesus Lord, but they don't do. This group is happy to sit through a sermon, come to church, offer flattering titles to the Savior, but they have no intention of doing what they've heard. There's no follow-through, listen, there's no long-term plan, no long-term intentions. Before we move on to talk about these two groups a little further, let me point one thing out that both groups have in common. Verse 48, the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house. Verse 49, it says, the stream did beat vehemently. Do you see in both cases, the house takes a beating? (laughs) Do you see that? In both cases, there is a storm The rain has fallen, the flood arises, and beats, it says, vehemently against the house. Now, the house, in both cases, is your life. Whatever you make of it, whatever you make of it, it is your house. And one thing we all have in common, the book of Job says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Amen? Few days, full of trouble. The Bible says that our life is so filled with trouble, it's like the sparks that fly upward. 
You guys, you bry masters, you understand the sparks flying off the coals, right? When they get hot, if you shake that thing, the sparks just go in every direction. That's how your life feels sometimes. You get shook up and oh, it goes everywhere. That's life. That is going to happen. It doesn't matter if you're saved or lost. It doesn't matter if you're a hypocrite or a dedicated believer. Problems are going to happen. One group is ready to stand. The other group is ready to fall. Those are the two groups that Jesus is addressing, and he is genuinely concerned for his audience. He's taught them the basic fundamentals of living a Christian life in his sermon. And he says, guys, I'm worried that you think simply because you showed up today and heard it that you're somehow ready to stand. He said, I'm worried that some of you are ready to fall. So we're going to take a look at these two groups. Something that will stabilize you regardless of what flood or what storm comes your way. Verse 48 Here's the wise man. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep. Do you see that? He digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. I've heard preaching on this passage many times. We have a, a similar passage in Matthew 7. There Jesus doesn't talk about a foundation. He just talks about building on a rock. Okay, so it's the same truth, but we have a little more information here. Lay a foundation on a rock. Now, I have a verse in the Bible that says Jesus is the foundation. You know that verse, right? Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. But I also have a verse that says Christ is our rock. Now, the foundation is on a rock. So if they're both Jesus, we got Jesus on Jesus. Now, I'm all for a lot of Jesus. <laughs> but I don't think that Jesus is telling us here that he is both the foundation and the rock. I think, and I'm, I'm using Jesus' other parables to help us understand this one. When he says, the man dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock, I'm not a builder, but I did my homework. I asked a builder this week, explain to me the process of laying a proper foundation. And he explained to me how you have to excavate and dig deep and, and you stake it out, you put the lines and then in our modern day, we can put rebar, we can reinforce it, you know, and make it strong in the bottom. But the way that they would used to do it, you wouldn't build on shaky ground. You would find a nice stable area. You would have to remove all of the loose earth and find the strongest platform, we would call it the bedrock of that area. And then you would lay the foundation on that bedrock. You don't just walk up to a piece of ground, listen, unprepared ground you don't just throw a foundation onto unprepared ground you first have to do a little digging flatten it compress it then you lay a foundation when Jesus says this man who is intending to have his house stand through any test it faces the wise man digs deep finds the bedrock that means he removes all the excess stuff, all the excess chuters, gets it out of the way and puts the foundation on the rock. So what is Jesus getting at? He says, guys, listen, you need two things. You need a foundation, yes. Foundation is Christ and his teachings, Christ and his words. That's the foundation that needs to be laid. You have to apply that. The rock 
in this parable is a properly prepared heart. It is a heart that has removed all of the excuses and comes to listen to the Word of Christ with this intention, Lord, what you put on my heart, the bottom of my heart, I'm going to do it. That is a properly prepared heart. That man with that attitude, with that approach, who is going to put Christ and Christ's teachings as the foundation of his life, that man, no matter what happens, can stand. That man's commitment will last. You don't just walk up to ground unprepared and start throwing down a foundation. You remember in Jesus' other parable, you can sow on the stony ground, but the seed won't fall deep, right? Take your Bible. I want you to hold Luke 6. And let's go in the Old Testament. Get Jeremiah chapter 4. Let me show you just a couple of verses quickly. Jeremiah chapter 4. Did anybody see if, did my water bottle go up in the rapture? Or How did I lose that? Armand, did you, did you take it? Armand, don't play games with me, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, honey, do you have some spare water? Did I put it over there? Sorry, guys. Windmill run by water. Amen. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah chapter 4. And look with me at verse number 3. God is speaking to his backslidden nation. And they have had hard hearts for a long time. He tells them to do this. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Forgive me for mixing the metaphors, okay? Jesus mixed them a little bit. He talks about building in one place. He talks about farming in another but he's always talking about the word and the heart, the word and the heart, okay? This is a farming illustration. Before you throw seeds on the ground, two things need to happen. Remove the thorns, and that will happen, mind you, by breaking up the fallow ground. Fallow ground is ground that has formerly been used for farming, but it hasn't been touched in a long time. It has hardened, Weeds and thorns have grown. You do not expect to throw seeds on that ground and see any fruit come of it. Let me say it again. It's a heart that used to be soft and receptive to the Word of God, but it hasn't been broken in a while. It's grown hard. And now you might still be listening to the sermon and calling Jesus Lord, but it's really not helping your life much. There's no fruit coming from it. Because first thing, you've got to dig deep and break up that fallow ground. Verse 4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. There's something, there's, there's this extra material that needs to be removed so that the seed, a mixing metaphor is the seed gets deep. Take your Bible, look at Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. Hosea 10 and verse number 12. 
God says to this nation, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Do you have that there? Hosea 10, verse 12, right after the book of Daniel, if that helps you. Hosea 10 and verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Put some good things in. And God will be patient with you. You say, I, I'm, I'm hearing what God's teaching me. I tried to do it, but man, I struggle. God can be patient and merciful with the man or a woman who is genuinely trying to apply what they've learned. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. What's the next thing? Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. God is saying, get ready. Keep your heart ready. Because the Lord is going to bring this rain. He's going to send something down from heaven that will help you bear fruit. But you've got to keep your heart ready. Keep the ground plowed. What do I mean by plow? What do we mean by digging deep? Removing all the excuses and saying, Lord, I have one goal, to serve you faithfully for the rest of my life. And whatever you tell me to change, I'll change it. I don't care what other people might think about it. I don't care what it does to my reputation. I don't care what it does to my wallet. It's not about pleasing friends or family. I'm calling you Lord because you are indeed my master. I am your servant. You say, I do. That's my attitude going forward. God said, I can use that. I can bring forth fruit in a person like that. Take your Bible, come to Luke chapter 14. Again, slightly mixing the metaphor here, but we're going back to building, this time building a tower. Luke chapter 14. Jesus is teaching us about discipleship here. And in order to do that, he uses the illustration of building a tower. Luke 14, 28. For which of you, you might want to mark the next word. For which of you, intending to build a tower? Your intentions. That's what he's talking about. Your intentions. That's the preparation of the heart. That's digging deep, going, God, I'm here because I want to do. Which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? You know what this guy's doing? Digging deep. He's looking around going, is there anything in my life that would hinder me from completely following the Lord? Completely. Verse 29, Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Well, that would be a foolish thing to do to start the project and not knowing that I can't finish it in this condition. I don't have enough. There's no way. Why would you start something you know you can't finish? They would mock him. Verse 30 saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. The concern that we are looking at in Luke chapter 6 is that Jesus had people in the crowd that were happy to hear the sermon, call Him Lord, but had no intention of doing that for the rest of their life. 
That was his concern. He said, I'm worried specifically that when times get tough, your house will fall. Because anybody, listen, anybody, as long as the wind isn't blowing and the rain's not coming and the flood isn't rising, anybody's house can stand. Even a house built on a beach with no foundation, even that will stand in a vacuum. Life is not a vacuum. But anybody can do that on a good day. Wait till he has a bad day. And then that will tell us how serious he was about that commitment. Jesus in Luke 6, you can come back to it. Luke 6, Jesus is worried about people making shallow commitments. And it is specifically people that come to church, in this case, an assembly. They assembled to hear a sermon and call Jesus Lord. That was his concern. How do I know if my house is going to stand? Well, let's test it, God says. Let's, let's ask him to do something that might shake him. Verse 48, could not shake it. Let's ask him something that might shake him. Abraham, leave your kin and country. Leave your family. Leave your country. Go to a place that I tell thee of. Lord, that's an awfully big change. What about my grandkids? What about my job? I've worked hard for this career. Those are the kind of things you want to consider. You intend to build the tower? What if Jesus asks you to do that? I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying if he does. You ready to go? For some people, hearing that from the Lord would be quite a storm. It would beat vehemently against you. It would go against your flesh and what you want to do. Abraham, leave kin and country. Abraham, you have a, a, a 17-year-old son, Ishmael. You love him. Send him away. He's not compatible with Isaac. Abraham said, but that's my boy. I love him. God says, who you love more, me or him? He sent Ishmael away. And if that wasn't enough, the next chapter, God says, uh, take your son, your only son, the only one you have left, Isaac, whom you love. You love Isaac more than Ishmael. Take him up to Moriah and sacrifice him there. We're all fine as long as Jesus is not asking that much of us. But as soon as he asks something that tends to shake the house that we have built for ourselves, oh Lord, wait a minute. If your house is built on a foundation that is built on a rock, a, a, a properly prepared heart that is committed, right intentions, do it for good, the foundation, Jesus says it, I'll do it. That house will stand. Because if Jesus says go left, go right, go up, go down, give, keep, whatever. Okay, whatever's happening, I know Jesus is going to guide me through this. Because my life is all about doing what Jesus said. It's not about success or wealth or having family around. If God lets you have all of that, wonderful. But that's not the point of life. Enjoy those things if you have them. The Bible commands us to enjoy those things if you have them. But that's not the point of life. We call him Lord because we're going to let him tell us what to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they won't bow to the statue. The music is playing. The nightclub's rocking, and they will not bow to the statue. Nebuchadnezzar says, bow or die. 
And they say, listen here, king. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. Now, there are three young men that have a flood vehemently beating their house, and it stood. You know why? They had made a decision. It doesn't matter what happens to us. God wants us to stand for him. That's all we need to know. Daniel, don't you dare pray to any other God. You can only talk to the king for the next 30 days. Daniel goes home and opens his window and prays for three times a day, just like he always had. And here he goes to the den of lions. But he'd rather be in the den of lions knowing that he obeyed God than have a comfortable position in the king's court. His house stood. What about your house? Will it stand the tests of your faith? In verse number 49, Jesus brings our attention to the second group. They hear and they don't do. Now, now look at it. It says they don't even have a foundation. I want you to think about that for a moment. They don't have a foundation. Do you see that? Forget about the rock. They didn't dig deep. They didn't find the bedrock because they had no intentions of changing anything. They came to go through the motions. They had no intentions of changing. So they didn't get down to the rock. They didn't move away and excavate all the other chuters, the stuff. And because they had no intention of doing what Jesus said, they don't have a foundation. What's the foundation? Christ and his teachings. Why would I hang on to what I'm hearing if I have no intention of using it? I'm just going to let it go in one ear and right out the other. Because I know it's not going to change my life. Folks, do you understand how serious this group is? Because I hesitate to put a number on it. I'm just going to say the majority of professing Christians probably fit into verse 49. And my fear, listen, I'm not going to try to minister to all of those professing Christians. I'm talking to you this morning. My fear is that some of you this morning, your entire Christian existence is summed up in this, I come to church and I call him Lord. And that's the only thing about you that is Christian. And when it gets tough, if Jesus is right, and he is, your, your house is going to fall. And it's going to be a great ruin. This group has no foundation. What's the foundation? Christ and his teachings. So when things start to go bad, they don't run to the Bible for answers. They run to their own wisdom, to the world, to their bank account, to anywhere else, but they don't lean on Christ. They don't say, oh dear, something's going on. Now what did Jesus tell me to do about that? They don't do that. That's why the house falls. That's why the life falls apart. I believe at the end of the verse, Jesus, he, he says the, ru the ruin of that house was great. I, I believe it, the ruin is great because this group has a false hope. Because the house is standing and it looks good. And, and their house is standing right next door to somebody else's house that's built on a rock. And he says, my house is just as good as your house. And, and he has this hope 
He has this idea that because I've come to church and I professed, I'm fine. And Jesus is heartbroken to say, no, you're not. You're fine for a while. But if you don't dig deep and change the intentions of your heart, this isn't going to last. Here's what we do. The wind blows, floods rise, our house gets shaken, it's starting to fall apart. Here's what we do. Oh God! God, help me! My house is falling! Help me! God, save my house! Now just stop and think about that prayer for a minute. God, save my house! Why would He? Think with me. Your house is built on sand. Why would he save the house? It's just going to fall again. You know the best thing that could happen? For God to stand back and go, I told you not to build like that. He'll let it fall. And then you go, oh, wow. Okay, now I can see that doesn't work. How do I properly do this? The best thing that can happen to somebody in that second group is for everything to fall apart. Now. Everything. If it just, just completely falls apart, now he has your attention. Now you can clear the rubble, dig deep and say, let me do it right this time. Let me lay that foundation deep on the bedrock. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Right there. It's all about him and him alone. And I'm in it for the long haul. I want to finish the tower. Why would God save a house that's standing on sand? It's not that God is angry that you turn to Him because things are going bad, but don't expect God to answer the prayer the way you think He should. God says, I'm going to let it fall so that you and I can come right. You know, there's a chance, and, and we know this is true. Some people, they build a house on sand and storms and rain does beat on it. But man, every time it does, they hold the house together. They're sitting there holding the walls up and, you know, they get other people in front. They hold this wall up and they, you know, patch it together and patch the holes and they keep that house standing as long as they can. And they get to the end of their life and they say, you see, I must have done it right. I didn't need Christ in the Bible. I did it my way. And I, and I, and I made it. It was tough but I was strong and I made it. And one day, one day, the cold hand of death is going to knock on your door and say, come with me. And he's going to lead you across the chilly waters of River Jordan. And as you pass from life into death, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, why should I let you live forever with me? And you look back and you say, well, but look at my life. See how hard I tried? I worked hard to keep that house standing that whole time. Every time it started to shake, I repaired it. I worked so hard. And God says, yes, but I didn't tell you to build a house like that. I told you to build the house on the foundation and there's no other foundation than Christ. And I told you a certain way to live and that was 
the teachings of Christ. I didn't tell you to figure it out for yourself. And one board by one, one brick by one, God dismantles any hope you had of achieving eternal life. You say, my house will stand. I've protected myself financially. I have a good job. I got friends. I have a reputation. I'll never fall. Wait till you get to eternity. And it all falls apart. There's only one hope of making it through the vehement storm of judgment. And that is to build your house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Lay that foundation deep and say, I'm trusting nothing else but what Jesus did for me. I'm going to live no other way than what He taught me to do. That is the only way, not only to survive this life, but to step from this life to the next and not be shaken. You can confidently go through life saying anything that comes, Jesus has taught me how to handle it. Jesus is concerned that maybe some of his audience had not dug deep. I'm asking you this morning, dig deep. Dig, dig deep. And if you haven't dug deep, go ahead and knock down what you've already built. Start again. Dig deep. Let's all stand, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll have a pianist come and play just for a moment. We'll not take long. I know we've had a a long morning in church. But I want to give you a few moments to think on what you've heard. We sing a song, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly cling to Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When you stand before God and He says, why should I let you spend forever with me? You cannot trust your parents' foundation. You cannot trust my foundation as your pastor. You need your own foundation. Now I want you to dig deep this morning. Dig deep. Prepare the heart. Break up the fallow ground. Remove all the excuses. Remove them. Remove all the thorns. Perhaps your house has recently been hit hard. Maybe everything's fallen apart. You know what you ought to do? Come forward and thank God for it. God, thank you for letting it all fall to pieces. Because now I can build a house that will make you happy.
You say, I believe in Christ. I believe in His words. But are you doing them? If you're not, you need to dig deep. couple are still praying. We'll give them just a moment. Jesus was aware of the fact that some of the people listening to His sermons were not saved. They called Him Lord, but it wasn't anything but surface. Surface level profession. Friend, for you, has the seed gone deep into your heart? Father, thank You for speaking to us this morning. Lord, the concern that You have about our, our hearts, our lives, how we build, we thank You for caring about us. We can see here, Lord, You don't want us to fall. You know that rough things are going to happen. You've given us the tools to stand. Lord, help us to dig deep. God, I, I can't pray this for each individual, but as a church, Lord, I, I want to pray that no matter what tough time comes, our desire is to be obedient to You. And it doesn't matter what anybody else in town or in this country or in this world thinks of us. We're concerned with what You think. Help us, Lord, to be faithful and obedient. Lord, as we continue on through this day, please continue to keep your hand on us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.